Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. That sounds about right. That sounds exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's no, uh, and I got I got a note on that. <laughs> <laughs> we got in, we can't just jump straight to audio. Nope. That would be madness. audio. So here's the thing about the audio on this game. <laughs> I'm gonna mess with your bookmarks all over the place because now you got to bookmark audio and then intro. <laughs> the chapter marker users are not gonna know what's going on. Um, so what did we play, George? We played Banjo Kazooie. Oh no, wait, that was the other one that had that horrible racial stereotype. We played Crash Bandicoot. We played the original Crash Bandicoot yeah. for the PS1, and this matters because you know we're not we're not totally above like riding the wave of what's going on in the public mind, right? Like we want people to find the show and enjoy it. And there's a new crash bandicoot game coming out uh, really close to when this episode's going to drop. Also the original crash bandicoot trilogy was remade uh, last year, recently, pretty recently in the last couple of years. Um, but we, we went all the way back so this is the original Crash Bandicoot for the PS1, not the remake, not the new one, Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time or whatever, this is the original Crash Bandicoot, uh, which coincidentally uh, was released in September of 1996, so actually also right around the time we are releasing this episode. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, uh, write to us, uh, kind of, you know, like hop online, like leave notes all like all, all the normal forms to get in touch with us if you think that at, for a nostalgia game we should play uh crash bandicoot 4 because <laughs> it is it's it's based off of the the nostalgic game um because if if we can if we can do that then i got i got another thing that i'd like to do um <laughs> the lines won't let me do it because it's not nostalgia based so if you want the answer to this riddle that i'm kind of nebulously putting out there just just get 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 all of my peers, please, all of you, my peers, please use your pressure to peer pressure <laughs> Lions into playing Crash Bandicoot 4 because I really need precedent to be set here. Um, you are not a lawyer. Like, you're just, <laughs> just like, if you could go out and do a bunch of things that would destroy your character, yeah, that yeah. would help me out a lot. <laughs> It's good. It's good. And to be fair, precedent can only be set by an appellate court, you know, so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and I know you knew that, you know, but as, as with all of those things, this is just for the listeners. Yeah. Um, so my nostalgia experience for Crash Bandicoot is weirdly bifurcated because uh, I didn't own this, but I had a lot of friends that did, right? Because this is like this is a game a lot of people who owned a PlayStation also owned this game. Um, but I had a demo disc that had like the first one or two, maybe three to four levels on it, like a very little, you know, slice of the game on a PlayStation demo disc that probably came attached to some crappy magazine or something. And uh, weirdly, 
I have as many memories of playing that demo disc as I do <laughs> playing the actual full game. And I'm not, that's not a complaint, but like, I can't, that was a thing that didn't really happen for console gamers until the disc era, right? Like, I don't really remember there being demos on cartridges. Maybe there were, but I'm pretty sure there were not because they were way too expensive to produce. Companies didn't really want to get together in that way. But by the disc era, they were able to emulate some of the things we were used to on PC. And demos were a huge thing on PC. I played the crap out of Shareware Doom in its first, like, five levels or whatever. Right? Yeah, and so, did you notice how that went away? Well, they just gave it a different name and now it's called freemium or pay to play, right? It's the yeah. same basic model. Like here's yeah, a little, that is yeah. yeah. First taste is free buddy, right? It's the same, yeah. same kind of idea, but, but yeah, I, I have probably as many, if not more memories of playing like the demo of this game. And because the entire point of the demo is to lure you into buying it, those memories are all super positive because it's like the easiest, most friendly, approachable, marketable, slice of the game to get you to go spend $60 on the retail game. So it's like, not only do I have nostalgia goggles for this game anyway, but like this weird hyper-focused kind of nostalgia goggles that may be unique to the disc era and PC games. And at least in a way we, we haven't covered before on the show. So that's, that's me and crash. Woo. Okay. So I don't have a nostalgia experience for, for crash. I did not play this cause I was on the right side of the console wars, but I have a story that is leaps off of your story. So I'm going to tell that instead because uh, I refuse to yield my time. <laughs> so Doom, right? Doom, super popular game, right? Um, I played the Everlove and Mess out of that. You know the other game, though, that was completely free that I played the Everlove and Mess out of? Um, Chex Warrior. Remember that game? Did you play that game ever? No. Like yeah. the cereal? Yes. <laughs> They made a video game, man. Yeah. Now I'll give you a minute to 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 look that up. Um, yeah, you you just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, it was it was literally it was a Doom clone, and it's a one to one, man. Like you had like your the pistol, but you shot energy rays at like phlegm based monsters. But you were the checks man, and you know you had checks armor instead of Doom armor. And you had, you know, instead of the BFG, you had like a giant, like, not reducing ray, but the mechanics one to one similar. So, again, you know, like a, a, a free game that was free to play that encouraged me to go play Doom. Um, a little bit different, but I think, like I said, I just, I, I, I could not think of another time when I could get to discuss the checks video game. And I thought now was the time. Uh, so it's called Checks Quest. Checks quest, yeah. And um this is real. <laughs> this, like, there was a small part of you that thought I was making it up, didn't you? Like it just a very small part. Uh yeah. And also, like once I saw the overwhelming volume of hits on Google, I was like, well, <laughs> if this was like a couple of weirdos in some, you know, horrible corner of deviant art or something. There wouldn't be this overwhelming amount of images and websites and like people talking about it and it like wow man like <laughs> this is I'm surprised that this missed you. 
I mean, I have seen other weird food based, obvious marketing ploys masquerading as video games. Um, I just do not remember this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I played I played this game a lot because it was it it mechanically behaved exactly like Doom, but you know I mean even was- the the HUD is not only identical, but where Doom Guy's face would be, this is just what we're doing the episode about now. Where <laughs> <laughs> we played Chex Warrior. Where Chex Quest. <laughs> where Doom Guy's face would be is a Chex piece, which if mm-hmm. you're not familiar with that cereal, basically looks like a tiny waffle and, but it has the little eyes like yeah. looking side to side, like doom guys. <laughs> like this is, yeah, so that, this is, that's the thing is because his armor, right? Like has the shoulder pads, like say in armor or, you know, like, like doom guys <laughs> armor. But the thing is, so they're big shoulder pads and they, they close over his head. So he just has the eyes, you know? But when he's checks checks Doom guy, um, you know, like he's got it open so he can like interact with other check scenes. Never I have I been more sure that we're going to have to start intentionally playing games for April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Not even saying we will eventually get to this game, but just the fact that this exists means we are missing out on an opportunity here. Yep. So, uh, so anyways, that's my nostalgia experience for Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I think the thing that I, I really like the most about um, checks checks quest is the amount of people who have like come together to like like write about it on the internet, which you know is very similar to our community. So when people come and they they write you know uh, amazing reviews on uh, the Apple Podcast on the Apple Store, um, you know when they watch you play Twitch, uh, you know like when they 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 come on Patreon and they, and they give us money that way, like all of that is just fantastic. Much like uh, Chex Quest. So um, I don't want to overload people with you know requests because like that's not fair, right? The audience right, doesn't right, know yeah. us thing. So. Uh, when people, you know, reach out to us on Twitter, when they leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, when they when they walk outside of their room house and yell, yeah, and, right? and yell when they are doing those things, do you want them to yell about Crash Bandicoot Four or about Chess Quest? Because I don't think it's reasonable to ask Ooh. for both. I don't think it's reasonable to ask for both. And personally, I want to hear from these Chess Quest fans. It's true. <laughs> no, Crash Bandicoot Four. I really need this. <laughs> I need the legal precedent. I, I I need this this completely non-binding precedent. <laughs> All right. Um gosh, I don't I don't know what to do now. I guess we should probably talk about the visuals for Crash Bandicoot. You wanna talk about the audio? Okay, visuals, I guess. We should <laughs> So uh yeah. So okay, this this is a visual in that it is one of the first visuals that hits you. But this thing this fact hit me like a train, which is this is made by Naughty Dog. Yeah. whoa i would not have guessed man like as far as i'm concerned like naughty dog was the equivalent of a man who was just sitting in a room by himself eating saltines until he turned 21 and then came to a party you know like they did nothing until they did the last of us and then i mean well i guess what's the other one the nathan uncharted uncharted yeah they did uncharted but that was it like they just came together to do uncharted so when i saw that they did this game i was like really interesting so that definitely colored like the way i approached the game as because i just waiting for something terrible to go wrong (laughs) well no um but actually no i can can piggyback this which is that um they 
even in this kind of throwaway platformer, there's a lot of rich kind of storytelling that they're doing, you know, like they, so like you can kind of see that they've always wanted to tell stories. This is just a zany cartoony story, but I mean, I, the, all of the character models, all of the, uh, the, the world that they're in, the, even the fact that there's this incredibly poorly rendered cutscene at the very beginning, you know, basically kind of giving you the, 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 it, bananas plot but all of it comes together really well in in a way that naughty dog is known very well for doing which is harmonizing gameplay and storytelling they're even doing it here when the story is like bananas but they're still doing it they're still naughty dog and i thought that was kind of cool yeah it it is very uh like evolutionary right where yeah this like i literally have a note for uh, the visuals that says uh, cartoons save low poly again, because a lot of early yep. PS one graphics and early N 64 and early Xbox, like a lot of early poly, low poly graphics, like they just, they look bad. Right. And they, they weren't that great then. And they certainly don't hold up. I actually really felt like these graphics don't only hold up, but they're, this is one of the few examples where I think low poly almost goes unnoticed because like the, the thing you interact with to get items are crates and what are crates? They are perfect cubes. And what's pretty easy to render with triangles, perfect cubes, right? Crash Bandicoot is like really pointy and weird looking, but it's because he's a Looney Tunes character. So he's, I mean, he's basically a skinny Tasmanian devil. Like you just, you totally instantly make your peace with all, Anytime you see like a weird angle or a weird corner, because you're like, yeah, it's just what that thing looks like, right? And it's yep. it's fine. It's basically always, always fine. And and I'm I suspect that Naughty Dog, even though this this was either their first game or one of their very first games, um, but I suspect that they kind of saw forward and they were like, okay, these are the limitations we're working within. Let's make some decisions that aren't going to immediately date this, right? And they didn't they didn't do that decision correctly everywhere, right? Like he's very 90s, you know, baggy pants, sneakers, like he's very Sonic the Hedgehog, right? But it's that that's you know, that kind of thing happens. But a lot of the architectural decisions they made in like how it looks is like you're in this made up place, right? So it doesn't date it. You're not in the USSR, right? It's, 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 (laughs) everything looks like a jungle and like the temples and it's all like ancient, uh, you know, kind of, um, ruins and things which are like sort of evergreen. They don't, ancient ruins don't stop being ancient ruins one day. So like all of that stuff is as valid today as it was in 1996. Agreed. I would say the one place where the the low poly really kind of falls down because uh, you can kind of tell that all of the character models are designed as such to be okay with low poly, right? You know, like you said, Crash Bandicoot is basically a a giant um, uh, golfing tee, you know? I mean, like, (laughs) you know, so I mean, it's basically like, what is that? It's, 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 It's a big series of triangles kind of at the top and then just a bunch of long triangles that come down right that's that character model works the the main bad guy whatever his name is um he's got this like enormous oblongy head right because what's really difficult to do spheres what's really easy to do 
giant cylinders, basically, you know? Um, the person that Crash is trying to rescue looks awful, in my own personal humble opinion. She be- because-, because she's the princess, right? She, the damsel. And yeah. the damsel needs to be curvy. <laughs> and right. they they could not do curvy. You're no, right. No, they could she, not. She looks terrible. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Is, and and she, she, she looks to me out of place because she is very humanoid you know like you said she's supposed to look like a uh, i mean a furry basically you know like she <laughs> looks like i mean she she is a a humanoid woman she, with a bandicoot face she's candy you know? kong she's what candy kong the the girl kong, kong yes. from donkey kong country i heard candy column and i was like i don't i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah she's 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 candy kong she i mean like they 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 do this kind of thing a lot like i mean she's some of the Sonic characters before it got weird or before it got really weird. Um, you know, I mean, like like a lot of games do this type of thing, but I feel that it's very out of place, kind of. I mean, first of all, saving the damsel dates the game. That, But if we if we threw out every game where, where it was, you know, save the damsel in distress, like, I mean, we wouldn't have a podcast. You'd be like, hey, they're all bad. That's not the point. But the, so, <laughs> but the idea, though, is that you know, like I said, is that they, for whatever reason, they said, you know, like, hey, not only does she have to be a damsel in distress, but she has to be a a voluptuous woman. And it's like, no, if you had just made her like what I think would have been more in keeping with the theming of this game is if she was literally like Crash Bandicoot with like a, a gold Goldilocks wig, you know, like just. One, I mean, it would have been cheaper for them, right? And it would have been funny because it would have been like, oh, yeah, Crash has got to go save his hot girlfriend or, you know, like whatever. She looks just like Crash because they're bandicoots. Like, I can't tell a male from a female bandicoot, you know? So, I mean, like, that that to me would have been more on point. So, but outside of that, I think that they did a good job designing the game around the, the, the physical limitations of what they could could build, you know? Uh, we do need to, I think, at least give the thumbs up to coloring because this isn't something when we've talked about other cartoony games that I think we've always really uh, gone super deep on and we don't have to elaborate, but I think it's worth mentioning. There are no pastels, right? Like every color is 100% saturation, but that really goes with the character designs and with the way like everything moves like everything mm-hmm. moves in like a big squash and stretch, like super Looney Tunes, Saturday morning cartoon kind of way. Right. And uh, to me, the best example of that death animations, like mm. crash has 20 different death animations. He can get flattened. He can explode. He can get KO'd. Uh, he can, uh, you can get frozen to death. You can get electrocuted to death. Um, you can burn up where you like turn into like a little ash pile, mm-hmm. right? Like you can get uh, knocked into the camera or away from the camera. There's just like, there's literally probably a dozen unique death animations and they're all bright and, and cre- like just close your eyes, picture Wiley coyote getting his ass handed to him by the Roadrunner, And it, it's like that. It's just these really expressive and not just like, oh man, he died so cool, but like emotional, like in a lot of them, he like looks at the camera or, you know, he makes a certain face or something like as he's, you know, exploding or being electrocuted or whatever. So these really like emotionally expressive 
maybe this is where we should have seen the evidence of like, oh, they're eventually going to go into drama, right? This is comedy, <laughs> but it's like they like playing with story and emotion and they wanted to go big on that, right? And going big on drama is something very different than going big on Saturday morning cartoons, but they are ways for the storytellers to express like big emotions. And here there's just lots of bright colors and lots of zaniness, right? But it's like, it's fun. Like, I think this is, this is the, the Looney Tunes more than some of the other games we've played that I think had that cartoony kind of feel like an earthworm gym, which is like more like Ren and Stimpy, right? Mm -hmm. Like playing Crash Bandicoot is like playing a Wile E. Coyote cartoon playing Earthworm Jim is more like playing Ren and Stimpy, right? And it's not one's better or worse than the others, but like if you want, you know, colorful, silly cartoons, like that's where you'd lean more, more Bandicoot. (laughs) (laughs) Got to lean Bandicoot. Um, I think too, uh, one of the things that they did that I I really liked, speaking of like the, the coloring where you talk about like the saturation is, um, they did a good job with like the lighting effects because so so here's and from my seat is that I was at first a little disappointed because I didn't feel like they had as much of a variety of worlds, you know, like when I first jumped into this thing is I was expecting like Mario 64 where like, yeah, there's an ice world and a sand world and an underwater world and a metal world. And I mean, like so many, so many worlds. Right. And I didn't really get that from uh, from this game. You know, I was like, oh, it's all it's all in the jungle. Oh, and at first I was pretty, pretty bummed about that. But then I was like, okay, but they got to like, there's space limitations. You know, there's only so much that they can, that they can do reasonably on the disc. And there's also only so much that they can reasonably create as far as like a visual, um, you know, as far as visuals, like the, you, there's, there's money, right? right? You gotta, yeah, people to pay people to do this stuff. And I doubt that Donnie dog had the deep, deep pockets that Nintendo had. Right. So all of that being said is that they, they cut corners or they, they were, were useful in resourceful in their resource use, right. In a number of different places. One of them being, um, they reuse a bunch of resources, but they make them feel different by coloring the, by literally just changing the hue of the entire stage. Right. So, you know, you've got like overworld jungle look, right. And that looks a certain way. Right. And it's kind of like a yellow kind of color, but uh, you want to put them underground? They're using all of the same assets for the underground level. It just they're just blue now, and they put a couple of mushrooms in there. You know, it it's exactly the same, but now you're underground. Um, they did one where it looks like uh, sunset, you know, or the where there's a lava. Like those are various colors of red tinted. So literally by just changing the hue of the level, they um you know they make it so that way it feels like an entirely different level. And I thought that was kind of clever. Well, Nate. You're you're totally right. It creates that passage of time and it creates that like, oh, I'm in a slightly different place now. So it looks a little bit different, even though really it's recolored, you know, assets from before. Um, and they do there's okay, there's there's the jungly kind of areas, there's the um temple-y like indoor areas, which are basically all black, so they don't really look like anything. Um, and then there's the uh like factory um, kind of mechanical, like when you're at the end and you're in uh, ne- Neocortex, by the way, is his name. When you're in mm. uh, Neocortex's like lab, then everything is all metal and electricity and bubbling green 
you know, vats of, I mean, of he, science. He's got to have given himself that name, right? No parent in their right mind names their child neocortex and doesn't expect them to become a super scientist, right? I mean, maybe that's what they were after. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe, you know, like they they were hoping that he'd be the next rusty venture. But, you know, instead he became Dr. Neocortex, you know? I mean, you know, you when you when you bet big like that, like sometimes you lose big. That's you know, yep. but but yeah, I mean, they there's throughout the entire game because I I did manage to finish the game. Um, and I oh, did you get the did you get the true ending? No, did you get all the gems. No, in so fact, could- someone uh, on stream was just haranguing me endlessly. Like, you didn't, <laughs> how did you get to the end without getting a single gem? And I was like, because it's hard. <laughs> it's like no i mean it's 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 impressive you want because i mean you were going for 100 percent, and you did 100 percent no gem run yeah that's right yeah and yeah. and i would frankly i would like a little respect thank you exactly <laughs> it, it takes work to do nothing that's right um <laughs> but yeah i mean so you 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 go through the jungle and then like into the temple and then like more jungle and like more temple, and like more jungle. And then, then it starts to get mechanical once you're into the lab and then it, it stays mechanical, like through the end, um, which is fine, but you're, you're right. When you liken it more to super Mario brothers than like super Mario world, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot more recoloring and reshuffling of assets than there is, like here's a whole new thing with totally different physics and there is variety. There absolutely is. But by the time you're done with the game, you can kind of look back down the path you walked and be like, Oh, okay. There was like four different things. And like, it's, yeah. it's fine. They all look nice and I enjoyed them all, but they're like, there was like four. It wasn't like 12. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm used to seeing 12, but you know, four, four is good. Um, I think, so this is something that, and I'm not, I don't have this idea fully baked. So here we go. Um, you don't, it, it's, it's almost a two dimensional in the way the visuals play. Right. Which is to say that you're basically, first of all, it's a straight up obstacle course. I mean, like they, they this is not Mario where they give you a giant open world to platform and play in. Right. This is like a, you're running down this path or literally sometimes they just go straight back to two dimensional side scrolling, you know? Um, so I thought that that was an interesting choice. And then when I was thinking about it is I was like, well, again, and I think this was probably as they're making the transition to the three-dimensional era, you know, like what can we get away with and what can't we? Most of the challenges really only require you to move around on one or two axes at a time like you would in a two-dimensional platformer as opposed to all three axes at the same time, you know? That is almost always true and when it's not true uh, there's a really good chance you're going to die but because it kind of catches you <laughs> off guard but but that is an interesting way to think about it that when they're doing this uh what i called z-axis platforming where you're going mm-hmm. directly away from the camera or directly into the camera uh the corridor you're in is so narrow that the odds right. of you screwing up on that axis are not zero right it's it's far from impossible but it's nowhere near the huge you know panoramic area of screw-ups there it was in like a mario 64 where it's like you can go this way that way every other way right and so it's 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 the not only do you not have that great area to go with right so like let's say you've got the the 
z-axis is moving like away from you. So you move obviously up and down that and you can move up and down on the y-axis, right? But the x-axis, it doesn't, the game does not necessitate that you move along that almost at all. It, you know, like you can get along with just, yeah, it's very little. There's like the one level right. with the boar where you have to like dodge stuff left and right, but then you're not controlling the y-axis in that one actually. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're only mm. controlling two axes at a time. Yeah. So that's, that's, and cause I, I was going to bring that up, right. Is that's the thing is that, and that's one of the differences in kind they do, right. Because they say like, okay, um, you know, we're going to take away your ability to control the Z axis, right. But we're going to give you more stuff to do on the Y axis. So again, I thought they in a very clever way by limiting the visuals, um, gain direct control over the fact that with, it, unless you've kind of decent games literacy and are literally looking for stuff like this, you're unlikely to notice the fact that they're doing literally a third of the lifting for you. Yeah. And, and this is, this is really blowing my mind because <laughs> I'm now thinking of a few spots in the game that I thought were really awkwardly unfairly designed and it's because most of the game, they were only asking me to do two things. And then for this one moment in a level or for this one you know, set of obstacles, they were suddenly asking me to do three things. And so like in one of the last levels, when you're like almost up into to Cortex's lab, um, you are it's a side scroller style level, right? So it's there is technically is the access, but you don't really do anything with it right up until you do. And so <laughs> so there's a spot with like these platforms that are going up and down and you're standing on the platform and you have to jump from the platform you're standing on into the camera, like into the, mm. the screen to land on mm-hmm. another platform, which then goes up and down. And then you have to jump, you know, that one goes down and then you have to jump back away from the camera. So it's it's just for a second, but the thing is the way the platforms are designed is you can overshoot it. So mm. you, this whole level, you've only been having to deal with the X and Y. And then for this, literally like these two or three platforms, 90% of the way through the level, they're like, okay, but also Z. And it's like, no, no, not, Z, not also Z. If you're going to also Z, you have to get rid of X or Y. Like, you no, not also Z. And, and those moments felt so cheap when I died and I, I didn't like, I was aware like, oh, they're making me do this thing in and out of the camera. And it's really annoying because I don't have like the right perspective on it, but it didn't occur to me that it's like, oh, they're also asking me to do three things when they'd only been asking (laughs) me to do two things. And when I was thinking about my notes for the camera, I was like, oh man, there's no way to talk about Z access platforming in, in the visuals without talking about how it affects the game mechanically. But, Mm -hmm. but to me, this belongs in both because this game has such a bizarre look knowing what we know now that Z access platforming did not have any future, right? <laughs> like, right. No other games besides crash bandicoot series and maybe some crash bandicoot ripoffs were like, yeah, going in and out of the camera directly. That's everyone will love that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so they, and you know, and they still do the kind of the smart things with the visuals to, you know, help with the platforming, uh, you know, like, like the shadow, um, helping you time jumps, things like that. Um, they don't, the, the, again, also too, it's, it's third person, not first person platforming, which, which has died its thousand deaths, you know, like any game that was like, no, 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 it's gonna be first person and it's gonna be platforming. You're like, there, 
if a game is doing that, they've got to be solely doing that. It's like it's like when a sushi restaurant also sells hoagies. I'm like, I only want you doing sushi, please. Yeah, what one of those? <laughs> please pick one of those. Yeah, please pick. Yeah, but please, that's like hoagies and wings and like three or four other things. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like hoagies are pretty straightforward, but if sushi's on there, I'm like, please only, please focus on sushi. You yeah. know. So if somebody's like, I'm gonna do first person platforming it's like what do you mean it's like no no i'm going to do this portal mechanic that like it's going to be wild it's going to blow your mind i'm like okay but it's all based around this one thing or it's like that's gonna be based around uh around parkour you know and i'm gonna like really focus on it's like okay okay i can i can do that because that's the one thing you're doing but it's like (laughs) no we're gonna have rpg mechanics and we're gonna have you know like like these like cool multiplayer mechanics oh my god multiplayer would be (laughs) would be like the buffalo chicken wings (laughs) like of, of of sushi restaurants, right? Because if you got a sushi <laughs> restaurant that also does buffalo chicken wings, like red flag, you know? So, uh, and that relates back to Crash Bandicoot somehow, I'm sure. In some way. No, I think it, because I, I, as I was playing the game and as I was writing out my notes, I was just like, I'm, I'm so, like my modern games literacy makes me immediately balk at the Z-axis platforming. But if you actually look at it in execution, like you think about the visuals, right? All of the jumps are basically perfectly spaced. It's yes. not never, but it's very seldom that they ask you to short a jump, right? Most of the jumps you have to make, especially early in the game are jump as far as you can jump. So mm-hmm. you just have to time it right but you don't have to also judge the distance, which would be hard to do when you're looking down a tunnel or when he's coming toward the camera. Cause that also happens in, in the first half of the game pretty frequently. So it, it's this kind of weird, uh, situation where they clearly knew that this was not a well-trodden path. And so they left like a lot of signs and Karen's, and warnings and breadcrumbs to all those who would come after. Cause they were like, we, we know you can get from here to there by following this trail, but this is our first time up the mountain. And this might be the dumbest possible trail, but just <laughs> this will get you there. But we're not saying that we, we know for sure this is a good idea. And, and it's, because you can see all of these little moments where it's like, Oh, okay. I don't have to judge this distance because visually that would be impossible, right? I don't have to uh, know exactly how far these two objects apart are. Cause it's always a full jump. Right. And so I don't have to memorize like, Oh, what does his jump arc look like? And, and you know, what does the space on my screen look like when it's a full jump or a half jump? It's you, you don't really generally not never, but you don't generally have to internalize those things, which to me shows they knew that this Z axis platforming, this camera angle on all of the, their, you know, pointy cartoon visuals was like, eh, eh, this might not work yeah. out. Like we're going to go for it, but, eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think though that one is, and I can't prove this, but I am very confident that there is a lot of under the hood coyote physics going on with whether or not you make a jump because it's, especially in uh like the what like that first level where the boulder is rolling towards you so you're like running and jumping towards the camera i'm like i i am getting 90 percent assist on this like i'm just jumping and if as long as i jump at the right time i'm going to land on the thing that i need to land on so now it's not a matter of 
timing the jump arc or, or it, not timing it. The timing is the only thing you're worried about, right? Is it's not like, well, how far am I jumping or anything like that? Like you would in a Mario game. So you know what this is? This is way closer to those uh, running app games, you know? Oh yeah. Like, it, there are stages that are totally infinite runner style. Yeah. It's just, it's just an infinite runner like that. This is the progenitor to that, you know, where basically all you're trying to do is just control like like we said, like like two axes, right? You know, like so you're just kind of going forwards and backwards, right? And then up and down. And so it's literally like run, 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 press A, right? Press A. Like as long as you press A at the right time, it'll generally work, you know? Um, and again, like that's when they're you doing this kind of stuff with the camera, that's all you can do with it, you know? If you're trying to do more where it's like, no, we need you to be hyper specific and careful on your jump arcs, then the game would fall apart immediately and completely yeah and and visually the something i didn't realize until we started picking this apart which is awesome some of their level designers or play testers or something someone must have realized controlling the y-axis when you are controlling the z-axis um don't so like <laughs> so like if you imagine any of the levels where you're going into or out of the camera you don't control the y-axis, you jump, so you have to interact with the y-axis, but you never ascend or descend. And then the levels that are traditional side-scrollers where you're controlling the x-axis, those are the levels where you ascend and descend. Because trying to ascend and descend while you're also zooming in and out would be awful. (laughs) It would be really, really awful. And so not only do they they limit the scope of like, Oh, okay, well when we're going to make you control the Z axis and you're going into or out of the camera, uh, we're also going to essentially remove or or really limit the X axis. They also knew that this was so weird that they were going to dramatically reduce the Y axis. So you never have to jump up onto something, right? You never have to like climb up a flight of stairs or anything like that. It's like, make this jump, make that jump, make the next jump. Otherwise you'll fall and you'll have to come back toward the camera and then start the the stair climb over again. You never do that. You jump over obstacles and then you're back on level ground and then you jump over obstacles and then you're back on level ground. And the only time you permanently ascend or permanently descend is in the side scroller levels with the exception that in some of the temple levels or in all of the temple levels, um, you, uh, step on like a little pillar that appears mm-hmm. to go up or down, but I mean, it, it's an elevator. So like right. you, the player you aren't know. doing anything, but yes, if you want to be technical, those levels have some verticality to them. It's just, it just happens to you. And you know why? Because what's the thing that naughty dogs all about game feel, right? So the game feels good, right? You know, so the visuals tie that together, right? So they knew that doing the visuals this way, there were going to be things that they can't do in the game, but they didn't want to make the game frustrating or insanely difficult or anything like that. They wanted the game to feel good. They wanted to feel like a cartoon, like a zany, fun cartoon, right? Because that's what Naughty Dog focuses on is how does the game feel? And that's why this is the the, the progenitor to The Last of Us. Uh, just, this will be my last, uh, kind of off the, the weirdness. Cause this has been a weird visual section. I'm not sad. Yeah. I think it was all interesting, but it's just, <laughs> there's, we, we had some <laughs> tangents in there. Um, in uncharted four, uh, in the very beginning of the game, you're in your house apartment, whatever with your partner, uh, and you can sit down at an original PlayStation and play crash band. So you can 
literally control Nathan Drake playing Crash Bandicoot on a PlayStation nice. in his home. Uh, and I don't know if the entire game is in there, but to put in perspective, like the entirety of Crash Bandicoot is probably the same amount of data as like his hair or his his oh yeah his five o'clock shadows. <laughs> like they could have easily put the entire game in there. I just don't know if they did. Yeah, no, I always love that kind of game within a game, like in Celeste, how you can play Celeste in Celeste, um, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you could probably take the entirety of all NES, SNES, and Genesis games and like throw them into a very, very small corner of your current PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. No, the the entirety of every Nintendo let, if you just hook 8-bit games, the entirety of all of them would probably fit in what you would consider a high-quality photograph taken on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and I, like, I don't think that's an exaggeration because like, modern cameras take ridiculously high-quality photographs that are like multiple megabytes, and the, those old games were measured in kilobytes. So like, right. just unbelievable. But anyway... <laughs> well, and it, it's it's like uh, when uh, somebody there's actually a really great college humor um, sketch where they talk about like going back to the 90s, you know, um, and it's actually a really funny sketch and there's a lot of great stuff in there, but they're like zapping everything to the way it looked in the 90s and they showed a modem. There was like 500 BPS and I was showing somebody a thing and they were like, what what's that? And I'm like, oh, that's that's bits per second or bytes per second. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, is that. 500 bps right that was that was screaming fast man you could get text like nobody's business and and that's it is bits right because yeah one bit is one bit one byte is eight bits right so this is something like when people are like you know oh well i you know i have a i have a megabyte you know down like that's what i get from comcast and it's like no you have 10 megabytes bits down which is an eighth what you think it is <laughs> oh and uh, just for reference to uh, put a bookend on this tangent uh the original super mario brothers was 31 kilobytes Ooh. yeah yep yeah <laughs> audio audio yeah um i love the music in this game man music's great it just it just again if we're going if we're talking about game feel it it feels right and it feels awesome and yeah I, I can't pick it apart like you probably can but I mean I I was literally humming this song most of the time I was playing it you know because it's just it's, it's it's fun it's poppy it's catchy they do everything in their power to also make it sound like a Saturday morning cartoon right it's 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 more atmospheric than hummable most of the time. Like you wouldn't probably just walk around whistling these jaunty tunes the way you might whistle, you know, like Mario music or final fantasy or mega man music and stuff. And I don't think that that's bad. I like that. They erred a little bit on the side of atmosphere. Cause a lot of games are afraid to do that. They want to write, you know, the next super Mario brothers theme. And so everything has a melody and these songs have melodies, but they're also kind of like, to put you in the mood, right? You were talking about the coloring of the levels and the music also has a kind of color to it, right? There's the, the, the levels where it's the middle of the day are like the kind of most awake. And then the levels at sunset are like a little bit more subdued. And then the levels that are like 
in the temple are like way more quieter and it's more like water dripping things, echoing kind of noises. And they all have melodies. They're all songs. It's not just noise, but they're not toe tappers, but they're in, in situ. They're incredibly enjoyable, really fun, like lighthearted atmospheric kind of music, just like you would expect, uh, like the, all of the Looney Tunes cartoons were all highly orchestrated, right? All of the old uh, uh, Disney cartoons, like the actual television cartoons, not the movies, um, highly orchestrated, right? They like the term for matching the visuals on the screen to the music is literally called Mickey Mousing. Like that's that's how much they did that thing in that era, because like that was before talkies, right? So like they matched up the action exactly to the music so that you knew the emotion that was going with the action you were seeing. Um, since they couldn't, you know, speak words. And this is to me more on that side, right? Like I know what to feel and I feel it at the right time, but I couldn't sing any of these songs to you right now, even though I spent many, many hours listening to this music. So two, two things on the music is one, um, you, you, you mentioned Looney Tunes and, and I'm really proud of myself for this, which is literally while it's still giving you the, um, disclaimer, Right is uh, I know that they're trying to emulate Saturday morning cartoons and Looney Tunes because this, this that sound that they make at the beginning is the exact same sound that like like right before that that in part but that that lead in kind of string thing it's it's used right at the beginning so I mean like that has that cartoony feel to it which is amazing um so I was just proud of myself because I never have a, a, that that specific of a note that sound I think the technical term for that would be a glissade, but it's like a whole orchestra glissade where like all of the instruments are going, yeah, slide. It's French for slide. Um, it's like, right. And that has like your brain. If you grew up watching any of those kind of cartoons or anything, like your brain just goes, this is a fun cartoon. Like you don't yeah. need any other information. In <laughs> fact, if the entirety of the last of us, followed that sound, you would constantly be waiting for it to turn into a fun cartoon. Cause you're like, your brain just knows that anything that comes after that noise is fun cartoon. And so I think it's a testament to how that noise is used in no other situations that even to you, that was glaringly obvious. Yes. Yeah. No, when I heard that musical was thought, I was definitely like right on top of it. <laughs> um, so, uh, but then also to like the, there, I would say that the main, at least the title theme, and it comes up a few other times, song is definitely hummable. The do 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 do. Oh man, it's just it's good. It's good. Good music. Um. Okay, so that was that was that was nice. That was fun. We we got it. We got to talk about the the witch doctory. Like I don't. Okay, I don't know how to discuss this appropriately culturally in the sense that like, I do not know enough about the culture that this comes from the region. It comes from to discuss this in a way that like in a truly educated fashion, what I can say is that this doesn't feel culturally appropriate. Like anytime when you have witch doctory stuff, it feels like we're kind of making fun of indigenous people. Literally the fact that in like, um, uh, in Banjo Kazooie, the fact it was like, oh, go, oh, go, um, you know, like whatever. And it's got that exact same kind of noise here. I'm like, that, that right there, that did not age well. Um, and the fact that he's like your second in command, like he's your power up that stops you from getting hurt. You hear it a lot. Yeah, he's, he's, it's your mushroom. 
Yeah, exactly. It's your it's your plus one hit point. Yeah. You know, I think you can power him up three times, so you can mm-hmm. you can collect the mask multiple times in the same level, and it's not like another mushroom where you just get score points. Like it actually gives you another hit point up to a certain amount. Um, and then I think after you collect the last one, you get a brief window of invincibility. So that's how they give you the the superstar mechanic, right? Like it's, I mean, not everything is a rip off of Mario, but it's hard not to relate it back to that stuff. Right. So, um, you hear the, the, like you hear that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I do not in any way disagree with you that this is clearly a bizarre cultural stereotype that somehow hung on way into our lifetimes, right? It's not like this is from the 1920s when there were still (laughs) minstrel shows and stuff like this is, we were alive. Everyone listening to this right now was probably alive when this was considered a totally normal and fine thing to do. At the same point in time, like when you do something culturally insensitive, you know, it, it, it ingrains it. It, it, people are like, Oh, well, you know, come on, it's fun. Like, it's just like, it's not hurting anybody. Yeah. But it is. <laughs> it, yeah, but it is. But it, it's it's bad. The sound effect that goes with it is very similar to like we call barbarians barbarians because, oh, when they talk, it just sounds like bar, bar, bar. Like that's, you know, the entomology of name. Like, so it's like, oh, yeah, these that's that's what these that's what these people sound like, you know, and it's like, n- no. And again, this is one of those things where anybody who creates art is going to let their own biases come in. And that can just be ignorance, you know, like, so in the same way that like, if somebody came to me and said like, Hey, listen, you know, um, you said thing a, and that was top to bottom wrong. I'm like, Oh dude, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, like, like I- explain it to me, you know? Um, and I don't know if this persisted in later crash bandicoot games, but, uh, but yeah, it was just something where I saw, I was like, Ooh, come on guys. So what, like, like we get it, but what's, what is the mask? It's own thing. <laughs> and, and the sound effect is part of it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, I, again, like just because it's not the worst thing doesn't mean it isn't bad. I, I didn't mean to make all sound about that one sound effect. The one other thing I've got uh, for audio is um, I really do like the Apple sound effect. It is a very satisfying sound effect. Oh, the like biting slurping. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's um, they're, it, it, they're wait, uh, crap. Uh, they're one wumpus fruit wumpum fruit i think it's wumpus fruit it they're apples they're mangoes <laughs> apples <laughs> b <laughs> hey can i just get some coffee beer coffee b ear c o b a apples um yeah but no that that man that sound is just i don't know it it, it is so good because it has that right kind of like it sounds like biting into a brand new apple. It it is so it makes me want an apple. Like literally as I was playing this game, I was like I want an apple because the sound effect is so good. So, you know, there are good sound effects. That I like the apple sound effect. So, uh, do you, do you have anything else for audio? No. Okay, cuz I have a a sound effects note that leads pretty cleanly into mechanics. So, uh when you smash open a crate, and there's a bunch of wumpus fruits, mangoes, you know, apples, apples <laughs> laying, <laughs> laying there, you know, spinning and floating, like looking all seductive and delicious. Um, you can grab them by just like smashing your face into them and you get the, the crunchy slurpy noise, just super satisfying. Or 
if you uh, ABS always be spinning, uh, you can knock them away. And then it makes a like, like very Looney Tunes, like, like, you know, just knocked it into the stratosphere kind of, you know, like when you miss uh, like in old Westerns, when they miss a shot and it makes a lot of like, pew, pew, like it's back when they used to shoot actual bullets at people. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a super clear, crystal clear way to let the player know you didn't pick that one up. You didn't get that one. You spun into it and you knocked it away like an idiot and you can knock away the mask. You can knock away one ups. You can knock anything that you can pick up. You can also spin into it and knock it away. And it makes that like sound effect every single time. And so I learned to hate that sound because it meant I had screwed something up. But then I learned to love that sound because it was the thing that made me stop spinning. Like if the, cause the visual, it goes flying so fast. And so you could maybe not notice, especially if you're doing tricky platforming, like not necessarily notice like, Oh, I have not been picking up any of these mangoes and I haven't been picking up one ups and I haven't been picking up anything because every time I open a crate, I keep spinning and I've been knocking it into oblivion at like a thousand miles an hour. So the fact that that little sound effect was there to remind me like, Hey, Hey, you screwed up, you screwed up again. Yeah. Hey, you're still screwing up. Stop screwing up. Did, is this not clear enough? I feel like it's pretty clear. You just keep, you should probably stop. You're going to die. <laughs> like that, Be- that behold the field where you screwed up. <laughs> that, that sound effect was definitely the linchpin that taught me to play the game differently. Like I, I honestly believe I would not have been able to internalize playing the game differently, like not spinning into collectibles without that audio feedback. Cause it's, it's punishment, right? It's not audio feedback that allows you to make the right decision. It's audio feedback that tells you, you have just recently made the wrong decision. <laughs> right. Think things just got real. I thought things were already real. No, no things have become real just recently. Yeah. So gameplay, uh, here's the thing. You can do two things in this game, spin and jump. And that's good because again, this is the era where they didn't really, uh, you know, we stand upon the shoulders of giants. They didn't have all, they didn't have Z targeting. Z targeting didn't exist yet, right? <laughs> and I know that because Z targeting was a thing that Legend of Zelda did. And the reason why I know the Legend of Zelda did is because it had a Z button, it had a Z trigger, and it's Z targeting, you know? These are things that did not exist yet, right? So all of these games are like very, very carefully crawling upon the land you know so saying like no here's the thing guys how many axes are we gonna have them deal with two well sometimes we know mostly two though okay how many things can we have them do oh well, okay well, we've got your spin we got your jump we got your dash we got your power dash we've got your um over the shoulder triple jump we've got you no whoa none of that you can do two things pick them and i feel like that's what the the, the, the guy did was he said two things i want a sheet at the end of the day with two things listed on it. I'm going to leave. And when I come back, if there's more than two things on the sheet, you're fired. And I'm going to talk to the next guy and he's going to put two things on the sheet. <laughs> the number of things over two is the number of you that will be fired. <laughs> I feel like it was like the, uh, in Firefly when, uh, they, they accidentally, um, they, they screw something up. So there, there's a hitman after them. He goes like, this is all the money he gave us. It's like, we will hunt you down until the end of the world. 
That's unfortunate. Kicks him into the jet turbine, brings the next thing up. Now, this is all the money you give us. Yeah, no, dude, I'm entirely <laughs> on board with that. Let's see. You're going to do two things in this game. No, we want to do a million things. You're fired. All right, come here. You're going to do two things in this game. Yeah, no, two things. Jump and spin. But I, again, I feel like that simplicity was absolutely necessary, and it's absolutely part of the cartoonishness of the game, you know? So, uh, yeah, good on him for not making me do a whole bunch of weird stuff because I would not have handled that well. Well, and again, this like it really shows that they... This is the most self-aware fish on land of all the fish on land that I think we've ever been exposed to because the more I played and the more we've been picking this apart over the course of the episode is I'm realizing that you can technically control your jump arc, but it's so little as to almost be useless. Like you have to realize you jumped at the wrong time or in the wrong direction, basically immediately, right? It's not Castlevania where you, buy an engagement ring for that jump arc, but it's close, right? It's, it's more on the, you're committed to the jump arc than it is on the, you have perfect aerial control. Um, the, the spin, there's no way that I'm aware of to abandon the spin. And when you're spinning, you cannot jump. So if you are on the ground and you are spinning all the time, you will careen to your death off ledges, which I did a lot until I learned to stop spinning all the time. You'll be firing one ups and, and mangoes off into the distance all the time, which I learned to stop doing. Like don't, don't always be spinning. Spinning is a tool. Please deploy it effectively. Don't always be spinning, always be running, always be jumping. Do not always be spinning. And they punish you by killing you, by making you waste pickups to teach you that spinning is not a magical solve everything tool. So not only do you have, you know, limited axes you're dealing with and a very, very limited power set, but they then even reinforce like, Use these at the right time. Don't just press buttons for no reason. And there's no fireballs. There's no ranged weapons. There's no none of that. Like, there's nothing. You can get extra hit yep. points by picking up the culturally insensitive mask. And that that's it. <laughs> like, there's, there's yep. no other power-ups of any kind. Yep, absolutely. Um, one of the other things, and, and, and also, too, to that point, is it is it makes it really easy to figure out what you need to do in puzzles. Cause like the first time you, I got to one of those spinning platforms where you have to spin at it to spin the platform. I like jumped over to it and I, I didn't make the jump and I'm like, well, that's half of what I can do. Let me try spinning at it. And then that worked, you know, but I didn't spend like, like with Ocarina of time where I'm like, okay, all right, I'm in this room. Which of my 50,000 <laughs> things that I have in my inventory can I use to do this? You know, and don't get me wrong. I like legend of Zelda, or at least I remember it fondly. Anyways, but so we got, but uh, yeah, so that, that, that's good. There's only two ways, right? Okay. You burn through lives super fast in this game. So fast, so fast. Um, and I feel that that's actually good in the sense that it is very on point with this type of game, right? I mean, like how often does Wiley e. Coyote die? You know, how often does Daffy Duck get his face blown off literally you know like so i was on board with that i was like yeah let me just die i'm gonna die a whole bunch um the save mechanic and the cycle time is bananas weird right because the only way you're allowed to save is to get to a bonus level and i have never 
ever seen anything in a game like that before, you know, or since. Saving Um, in this game is the most polar experience of saving in a game because first off, this game has memory card saves, which is what I used and what I assume you used, but then it also has a password system. And the reason they did that is because they knew that a lot of people were getting their first console that required a memory card and that their mom and dad might not buy a memory card for them because they might not know that they need that. Right. So like I knew kids who owned playstations and did not own memory cards because their parents just didn't understand that that was a thing they needed to play the game because the Super Nintendo didn't need that. It's like Genesis didn't need that. What do you mean you need another thing to plug into it? And I'm not like, it was new. They didn't understand, right? If you're not a technical person, it would be easy to just be like, it's a rectangle. You plug into this other rectangle. What are you talking about? So they included a password mechanic. So every time you could save to the memory card, it also shows you what the password is. So you don't have to pick and choose. It gives you both, always gives you both. And then that way you can play the game as if you were saving, but using the passwords. And yet these super thoughtful people who had the sense of mind to bake that into the way they built the game, which also meant there was other things that they may have wanted to do that they couldn't do because they had to make sure that you could save via password, which limits the kind of complexity you can have in your game. Metal gear solid cannot have a password based saving system. There's just way too many variables, right? I mean, I, I th- they probably could, but it'd be like a 72 digit <laughs> alphanumeric code, you know? Well, and, and knowing Hideo Kojima, he'd be like, Oh, it's uh it's my DNA sequence. <laughs> and so you have to find me in the world and then draw some of my yep. blood. Yeah, no, it it would be <laughs> it would probably be something where it's like like you know, they say, Okay, we got this password system, it's 72 characters, it's alphanumeric, but we finally did it, and he's like, Okay. But the sum of the square roots of each character represented <laughs> as a number must be equal to pi. It's like, what? And it's like, well, now it has to be twi- like five times longer. It's like, I, I stand by I, it. I don't care. That's yeah. what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> but so the, those same people who were so incredibly thoughtful about this and, and that player experience, right? The game feel. What does it feel like to play this game? Do I ever feel like all my progress is going to be lost? No, I don't ever feel that way, except getting to where you can save is a platforming challenge. You have to first collect yeah. three Dixie Kong faces or uh, candy Kong faces. And then you go into the bonus stage and then you have to survive the bonus stage, which as you yeah. go throughout the game is not a foregone conclusion. There were times I fell off of the platform in the bonus stage and did not get to save and was super sad. Like it's, yep. I, it, I honestly can't think of another game I've played where like you can fail at saving. Yeah. Like saving is a chore. Like once you get to the, what would be ostensibly called the save area that you're not done, you know, like it's, it's the EA games of saving, you know, like it's, (laughs) (laughs) you just, you think, you think you're, you're, you're through it and you're not. So so that I thought was completely antithetical to the game feel because I was having a blast, man. I was dying left and right, but I didn't care because it was fun. You know, like I, I missed the platform. I was like, and, and the thing is there are checkpoints, there are checkpoints within the level. Right. So I'd like hit a checkpoint and I like run, run, run. And like I'd die. I'm like, ah, you know, I died. I got flattened. <laughs> I got flattened. Wiley coyote. Okay. Run, run, run. Oh no, I drowned that time. All right. Whatever. Run, run, run. I was like, ah, oh, well I ran out of lives. 
oh, I've been kicked back substantially far, you know? And I was like, I don't really want to do all this again. This feels stressful. You know, I don't, I, I don't really want to play this anymore. You know, it was definitely like a, a, a quitting moment, you know, where I was like, I don't, and it wasn't a rage quit. Like it, it was like, I would love to continue to enjoy this. I've already enjoyed this part of it. I would like to enjoy the much, much more that this game has to offer. I was having a good time, but now you're like forcing me to go back and play a bunch of the game that I, I, I've already played. I felt that this game would have benefited. And I know I, I always go back to this well, but like, it felt like it should have the cycle time of Celeste, you know, which is like, yeah, I died. Uh, try again. No, I died again. Yeah, try again, man. Just keep, keep trying until you get it, you know, but no, the, like it is like that until you run out of lives. And that completely changed. Now it's like survival horror. And these lives are the small amount of food that I have to carry me through. Completely antithetical to the experience, which just floored me that, that they did it that way. Yeah, And, and uh, to your credit, when they remade this game uh, quite a bit later as the insane trilogy, uh, there were two major differences, one for which it was universally praised and one for which it was universally panned. The one it was universally panned for is uh, they rounded and softened a lot of the edges, which means some of the more precise platforming is now way more precise. Because if you don't land mm. directly on the flat surface, you kind of slide off to your death. And that's it. I know it probably wasn't quite this reductive, but it's almost like they said, oh, we'll, we have modern technology. We can add more triangles. And no one said, a lot of triangles from far enough away is a curve, right? <laughs> like from, from a distance, many triangles now looks like a rounded edge, right? And that that's basically what happened is they made everything feel softer and rounder. And so there's a lot of times where you just literally, you can see the character model slide to his death off of the edge of what in the original game would have behaved like a flat surface. Uh, so that one, they were pretty much universally panned for because it, it just, it sucks. Uh, something they did that was universally praised is uh, it just auto saves after every single level. Yeah, so th that's what I wanted. Yeah, it, you know? So if, as long as you beat the level, you have credit for getting that far, right? You don't have to right. earn saving. You don't have to beat the level and then earn saving that you beat the level. You just auto save after every single level. And, and that's one of those things that like I was, I was playing and I was, I was getting to that survival horror place, right? Where I was just like, Oh God, like the, I, the stream is almost over. I'm going to be going to bed soon. I only have like two lives left. I don't know if I'm going to be able to save. And somebody in chat was just like, yeah, it was really nice when they added the autosave after every single level into the remake. And I was just like, <laughs> and so I think that the, the reason why, the reason why they did this, right. Is because what's the, the extrinsic reward in this game. It's saving candy Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's lives, right? You know, like it, it all, again, it's all lives, right? You know, um, it, uh, like, cause there's three main collectibles, right? You know, one of them is the um, mask, right? The culturally insensitive mask, right? Which arguably prevents you from losing lives, right? Um, apples, apples, which, <laughs> which, Get, eventually give you lives. They work like coins, right? Is that right? Yeah, uh, I think it's even every hundred, so it's exactly like yeah, coins. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sound off when I ask you to. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, and then there's actual lives, you know, and then I guess save points, you know, but like those are the, them's the collectibles, right? That's, so that means that all of it leads to one extrinsic reward, which is lives. These are all, everything is exchanged in, in turn for lives, right? So I felt that they had, they felt that the extrinsic reward had to have some meaning, you know? So if you're saving at the end of every level, then why collect any apples whatsoever? Right, because eventually apples just lead to lives, and if I've effectively got infinite lives, then why collect any apples? But here's the thing: is that this game is intrinsically fun, right? I am playing the game not because of the extrinsic reward, not because of the levels I'm going to gain, not because of the better equipment, because of the mods, anything like that. I am playing the game because it's fun. You did it. You made a game <laughs> intrinsically fun. And then in order to make the extrinsic reward meaningful, you made the game less intrinsically fun. It's hilarious in like its backwardsness, you know, because I feel that they were like, you know, they, they made this game and everybody's like, Man, this game's really fun. It's like, yeah, but all games have extrinsic rewards. We got to have an extrinsic reward system. It's like, no, no, no. You got to the Holy Grail. It's like, well, we need to, we have to have doctors. It's like, no, we drank from the Holy Grail. Like we got the fountain of youth. We are all healthy now forever. We don't need to have a medical system because we're all gods. And it's like, no, <laughs> got to have a medical system. And it's like, you know, it's like I, I feel that they they had this mythical thing that they didn't really know existed, and so they created the thing that they knew, which hurt hurt, hurt the mythical thing. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I could absolutely entertain a well. We got to have some kind of some kind of feedback loop that involves lives and how you gain more lives because that's how video games are made, right? Like, I could one hundred percent believe them going through that. I could also entertain like they couldn't have a save after every level without making the password system burdensome because now they would have because I don't there are some levels you can't save in right not every level has bonus level accessible from it so there are more levels than there are bonus levels which means if you if it saves after every level they would have to give you a password after every level because they very generously didn't think everyone would have a memory card so like it's that that feels really straw graspy don't get me wrong it, i'm sure it was way more like oh got to got to have lives got to got to have lives got to have something that you collect 100 of which gives you another life right that's that's cuz it's <laughs> video gamey um but it's it's also something that they immediately recognized sucked and abandoned, right? Just like, hey, how do people feel about Z access platforming? Not not good. Okay. Uh could we squeeze like two two more games out of this? Two two more games? Okay. And then we'll stop. And then we'll stop. <laughs> Except for the new one. Um, uh actually yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, that's an interesting point, is I've seen like marketing trailers for the fourth one, but I don't know if it also has the same perspective as its predecessors you, you, you know a, a good way for us to find out you know a good way for us to don't look it up don't look it up that's research <laughs> no, no, but no, it's only no, research not, if it's a game we're gonna play for the show and it and, and, and exactly so <laughs> so that that's why so if you don't look it up then it's definitely a game we're gonna play for the show so don't look it up stop it stop um, it stop it 
but yeah, so anyways, um, did not did not like the lives and the continues. And yeah, I mean, possibly it would make the save conditions no, no, dude, more. That's so, you don't have to try and defend that. That's so, okay. that's so strong. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, do I have to address this? Uh, but anyways, that, that that was kind of the bulk of my stuff for for gameplay. I mean, I've got more little stuff, but that, that's the meat of meat of what I had. Yeah, no, I'm, I I think we can ask uh, whether or not we we thought it hold up and do it. <laughs> Stretch your feelings. You know it to be true. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I was not totally shocked to find like I don't think you need any nostalgic goggles for this game. Like it's fun, it's silly, it's hard. There are some crazy difficulty spikes and. If you want to hear me just shatter that PG-13 rating, go find the VODs for this on Twitch before they expire out after like 90 days or whatever, because I am just like F and F, 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 right? But like, but this is the thing is as angry as I get in a lot of those sections and I, I get very angry at no point would I ever say looking back that I wasn't having fun, like I continued to have fun. I continued to want to overcome the challenge. And when I beat the game, it felt super triumphant, right? Like it felt good to play even at the parts where I was like getting beaten down. Cause I was like, no, I can, I can do this. Like I can overcome this challenge. I'm going to, you know, see this through till I either finish it or till I reach what I believe is a challenge I cannot overcome. But I never got to the point where I was just like, the game is broken. The game is poorly designed. The game isn't fun. This isn't fair. This sucks, right? It's it's exactly as you described it. Like, it's intrinsically fun. I'm playing a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. Like, that's fun. I enjoyed that. I, I would recommend this, not the remake, not the one with the slippery physics. Like, go back and play the crappy low polygon PS1 version. It's it's super charming, super fun. No nostalgia goggles required. Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't think that I'm as firmly on like the the no nostalgia goggles required, you know, like in the sense of, yes, that is the ranking. But, you know, where you're like hard, no nostalgia goggles required. I'm like, you know, no, not like rock hard, like, you know, more more like like pumice hard, you know, um, <laughs> is hummus yeah. on the list of things that are hard hummus. Oh, pumice. See that? <laughs> That would make yeah. more sense, but also <laughs> you know, my incredulity was not misplaced based on the information no, I no, had. No, it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> if you're eating hummus that is on the spectrum of rock hard, you need to reevaluate your hummus <laughs> hummus storage system. Uh, anyway, um, I think we might need a new fridge. <laughs> uh, but no, it's 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 yeah, it is intrinsically fun. Um, and and again, you know, like the one thing that I would say takes the wind out of its sails is the save system. But you know what? Like you said, there is a password system. So if just go look up the password online, you know, if you, if you're, if you're going back, you're playing this game, just go back online and say like, Hey, you know, uh, I died on stage five and it punted me back to stage three. What's the passcode for stage five? You know, just boot it up, take it from there. You know, um, that's a good point. So, that's something you benefit from with a password system that you can technically do with save files, but it's a lot more work. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot it's a lot more energy. So so yeah, so that that as for my seat, no nostalgia requ- goggles required. And and so much so that I would really love to see kind of where this franchise went. So the one thing that you know we gotta play is Ocarina of Time. The curtain falls 
the music plays The credits roll, then it all fades to black And you're left by yourself The fanfare is gone There's no player two There by your side to share victories won But as you slowly progress Down the hall to your bed A few great events Leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creep in With the edge of a smile You realize again What you've lost for a while 